Welcome to LeaderSight, where we believe leadership is a people game. I'm Eric Thompson. Leadership is a game that can be played by anyone, anywhere, because it's an action by any party that helps your group meet its adaptive challenges. We bring you successful leaders who have something special, leadership wisdom, and put them in a position to share that with you unfiltered, to offer you their insight, foresight, and maybe even some 2020 leadership hindsight to help you on your leadership journey. If you get some value from this podcast and would like to say thanks, please subscribe to it. Like it on your favorite podcast app and consider sharing it with a friend who could use it. And if you'd like to connect, head over to thompsonleadership.com, where we are all about helping grow great leaders, great teams, often helping them navigate the high stakes people challenges that are always part of the ride to victory. Okay, Mary McClure, welcome to LeaderSight. Thank you. It's nice to be here. That was quite the intro. There was a lot in there relative to leadership that we can yeah. talk about. There's a lot, lot in there, but I'm happy done. to be Good. Let's and do let me, it. Let me introduce this, this person, Mary McClure, briefly. She is the CEO of Green Mountain Power since 2019, who was featured very recently here in early October in the New York Times. This actual recording is dropping the day after the article dropped. So Mary McClure, how does it feel to have 9 million eyes on you? <laughs> I don't think there's that many, but... Um, um, you know, it doesn't feel that different than having one eye on you. It's all the same. Um, and and it doesn't feel that different than when there were 8,000 eyes watching a basketball game when I was in college. So it all feels it all feels exactly the same. Or my parents just watching me. Or now my family, my house watching me. It all feels the same. Everybody's watching, Mary. Everybody's watching, yeah. They are. Well, well, you're always an example. You're always an example. And she mentioned, she mentioned basketball. So Mary McClure was captain of her basketball team at University of Buffalo, had a lot of success in hoops growing up in Indiana, was noticed early, got recruited. And um, I was thinking, I'll bet there were never 9 million people at your game. So you just answered that. 8,000, though. Yeah, who, we, who game was that? We had a lot. We uh, North Carolina, the University of North Carolina, came to play us wow. for our um, our season opener in the year two thousand. Um, wow. And the reason, you know, how this works in college athletics is uh, there's usually reciprocity. So we played North Carolina for their home opener four years earlier when I was a freshman, and they wow. agreed as part of that deal. And we got it handed to us that game, by the way. As part of the deal, they came to play our home opener when those freshmen were seniors. And we were ready for them. So they showed up in Buffalo and and we, we beat them. And uh, pretty much, what? I think it was the largest um, crowd. I haven't checked this in a while, but at the time it was the largest crowd for, for a women's basketball game at the, at the university. So it was great. It was packed. Um, oh God. How'd you beat them? 
and we beat them. Um, oh, and they were ranked, I think, 23rd in the country at the time. I, it actually yeah. got us, um, obviously, national attention. And we, we got ranked honorable mention for a while, um, which was great. We had a really awesome team that year. A lot of, um, a lot of synergies happening and chemistry happening on that team. Uh, there wasn't a lot, lot stopping us. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, we just, we outplayed them. Frankly, they, they, um, they were, they were having an off night offensively and, and we weren't. So that's how we won. A lot of heart though. We, we played with a lot of heart. We didn't play, we didn't play scared, even though we were, we didn't play that way. Mary McClure and I do like to talk about basketball. I'm obsessed with basketball. So is she, and I think we both love the team piece of that. Mary is a far better basketball player than I ever was. It really is something that you beat North Carolina. That's a storied, a storied program. That's something. Yeah. Yep. And um, in the Vermont Business Magazine article about Mary that also dropped this month, there's a more about her basketball career, including, you know, your coach from back then saying that you were one of the people who really made a big impact on the program there at Buffalo. Yeah. You know, which is so cool, you know? Yeah. Expanding women's basketball in Buffalo, New York. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. They, um, we had a, we had a just phenomenal class. I, I came in with three other phenomenal players. So the, the credit really goes to the coaching staff at the time that recruited this just great group. And then we ended up um, all staying together. You know, this is something I think in, in college now that doesn't happen as much there's there's more ability to move around but at the time for for us we all stayed so we played four years together and by the time we were seniors um we had a lot of each other and ourselves figured out um both on the court and off and and that's what i mean that's what made us successful um but it's really that coaching staff we were all a bunch of like um you know, diamonds in the rough, so to speak. Like I, I, I um, grew up in Indiana, but I, I played high school basketball outside of Detroit in Michigan. And, um, you know, I what was like five of my high school uh, teammates went division one. I. I mean, basketball in Metro Detroit is a huge thing. So um, I had a, I had an injury pretty bad in, to my knee in high school and I lost all of my division one recruits. They, they just all, all the schools, um, uh, once they see you're injured, um, you kind of go down on their list. So, but Buffalo didn't get the Detroit free press and they didn't see that I had been injured. So, um, <laughs> I owed, I, I felt a lot of loyalty to Buffalo as they stuck with me despite, despite the injury. And, um, no doubt that, that played into, and those, those were some phenomenal coaches and to find that, to find talent, right? I mean, it's no different in, in business, um, to find the talented people. Sometimes you really have to go looking for who's, who's being overlooked and underutilized and, and pull them into your organization or into your program. And that's what those, that coaching staff did with that group. And that's why we beat North Carolina four years later, no doubt about it. And create a situation where the people want to keep playing on that team. You yeah. mentioned something, Mary. We knew ourselves and we knew each other. Yeah. Now that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. What do you mean by the first part of that? We knew ourselves. Well, I think in, in athletics, there's more of an emphasis on um, 
both how the, in, there, there's an emphasis on team in many athletics, in particularly basketball, it's a team sport. Um, but there's also like within the emphasis on the team, there's also this really large, probably equal emphasis on the individual, like your own knowledge of your game, improving your game, watching how you show up to practice. I mean, and, and I literally mean watching it, you watch game film and I've talked about it at Green Mountain Power, bringing game film. No one, no one's, no one's down with it yet, but I'm working on it. Um, I love this but, idea. Just, yeah. Game film. Go, just go there for a sec. Just game put, film put a business team. Yes. So what are you like filming the team meeting? 100% and you watch filming it. Filming the one-on-ones? 100% and you watch it together. Would you film the one-on-ones or would that be too weird? Um, you know, yes, you can. Like we filmed, for example, in sports, just carrying the analogy, um, we would film some of our one-on-one sessions pre and post. So like you'd have a, you would just be working with your coach and you'd film it. Yeah. And what you would work on there is like, you'd work on really fine details, like, you know, right. your elbows in or you're, you know, you're working on, whereas when you, when you're looking at film of a game or of a practice, you often are looking at, at much larger, the movement of the whole squad. The, so if I did video one-on-ones, I'd be focusing on fine details. Fine like, details. Like in basketball, rotate that wrist a quarter inch out before you shoot. Yeah. In, in, in leadership, you know, like one of the best things they do, Mary, in psychologist training is make you record a session or two. They make people volunteer. Yes, you can no. record this. No one's, gonna, no one's going to know what what you, the client, said. It's about the, the therapist studying what they say, what they do. And God, is it like, wow. I act it's so like powerful. That. Yeah, it's so powerful. You know, and you'd see so much. It's a tremendously powerful tool. Yeah. So it's kind of an innovative, interesting idea you're bringing there from hoops. I know. I will game film. I talk about it with them all the time. You know, scouting reports, game film, um, all those types of things. Because they're uh, there's I do it so much. I think they're sick of it. I've probably saturated it. But the the idea being that um, you're watching the game film to see how you as an individual show up to contribute yeah. to or not the right. dynamic of the team and the success of the team. And that's what we would use game film for. Um, right. And yeah. so when oh. I say we knew each other as individuals, yeah. I knew my game better than anybody else. I knew that my left hand was weak. I knew that you basically couldn't stop me on my, if I had the ball with my right hand, I knew that my floater was, was the dagger. Like you get me into the lane and I could float it up over anybody, six, eight, six, seven. I mean, we played against really, really tall centers and I could float the ball up over, but I also knew that, you know, sometimes I brought, um, sometimes I was too quiet. Sometimes I needed to use my voice more in the, you know, and I'd see that, right. I'd, I'd see me, I'd see, I'd be watching game film and I'd see I'm the captain, right. And I'm bringing, we're having a hard time on the court and I'm bringing the team in together and we're, we're about to go to the free throw line or something. And I could see that like in my being, I had so much I wanted to express, but I couldn't, you know, you sort of see me say, okay, okay. But like, and so I worked on that. I worked on how, how to express myself. Um, mm. in those moments, like I've got all this energy and I, and I can use it to help these other four people, but I got to get better at verbalizing it. I got to be able to getting it out of my system, all game film. Um, like, all things nothing showed you like, like the actual film. 
the actual like, film. Yeah, and you that. watch it with the team. Whoa. So you're all sitting in a room watching it together. And there's also nothing more, um, I think, more bonding for a team. And it, it, it isn't uh, in a shaming way or, you know, feedback can get a negative um reputation mm-hmm. at times because because the because it has to have the right intent right and, and the intent around it was to better the team yeah um and so that was always there wasn't you know and there was a lot of funny moments too you know things that you yeah. can bond around but there was nothing there was nothing more powerful than that actually in figuring out who who we all were both individually and together as a group. And so in business, there's such a focus um, on, on team, particularly, you know, in an organization like where I'm at now. Um, And sometimes I think it can get lost how important the focus is on the individual. And it, and it's, it's more about, you know, might talk about um, leadership development or something like that. But what I really mean is who are you and how well do you know you? Like who, like, that's more what I mean. Like, give me the scouting report on you. Because we had to give, we had to give the scouting report on ourselves. Like, and I knew the other team had my, Mary McClure, number 10, like can't go left. (laughs) Like. Uh, You are really punching up the tremendous overlap and how it's so true that sports, especially at higher levels, the level of coaching on performance people get is is much higher than the average high performance business team. Much higher. And, uh, you know, you're making me think of my course, the Leading My Managing Self course, Mary, where the first big assignment is everybody goes out and asks six people, they sit in front of them and they try to get them, put them in a position to tell them what they would tell someone at a bar about their game. Yeah. And it's a similar kind of, Yep. Try to like and and like you said, create that right balance where this is really about making you better. It's not about knocking you down, and nope. it's not about dancing around it and only saying the nice things either. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have an idea. You know, you, what if you went first? Like, what if you had one recording of you, just you? Yeah, might be a way you could Trojan horse this into the team. Right. Well, I'll go first. Let's yeah. watch me. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, <laughs> I, I think they'd be like, of course, like, you know, you could do that. You can, I, you know, I think if I implemented it, um, like I'm thinking about my leadership team meetings now, I've got some folks, um, it just happened this past Monday. The technology is so distracting yeah. and I come, we, we meet once a week on Monday mornings um, for an hour. And it's the only time in the week because we're a statewide organization, we are not together the whole week. I, we are not in the same building. We're all over the state. So we have one hour together once a week, just yeah. us. Mm-hmm. And they, they cannot put their, they cannot close their computer. They cannot not look at their phone. They can, you know, so I'm sitting there and I, I paused and quit talking at one moment. And I looked around and I was like, are we present? No, oh no, 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 they're closing their, they're closing the, and so I think if I, if they knew they were being videoed, they wouldn't necessarily um, 
act like that, but over time they would, because the same, that's what we did in video. Like if you, once there, the first time there was a camera on practice, you know, you're, you're getting low, you're sliding the right way, but it's, it's, it starts to become normal and the, and you don't recognize the camera and then your behaviors start to show up. And so I, I know with my squad that the distraction, the battle they're having between responsiveness and presence is a is very real and you would see it in our meetings on a regular basis we'll get back to our amazing guest after this 15 second break if you're interested in developing the kinds of leadership capacities that you're hearing about today including mastery of the art of leading people building great teams and overcoming high stakes relationship challenges you can learn more about our work by following us on linkedin or visit our website, thompsonleadership.com, where you can learn about our innovative Leading by Managing Self course, which is our uniquely impactful road-tested year-long journey for senior executives and their teams. It's fantastic. We're getting into a topic I wanted to get your thoughts on, which is presence. And before that, I say that Green Mountain Power, transformational power company, employs 500 20 people across 15 district offices in every part of the state of Vermont, wholly owned by Energia, an energy-based company in Montreal. Did I pronounce it right? That's right. Energia. Yeah. So there's a lot to say about that, which we may, we're going to touch on before the end, is the transformational dimension of Mary's leadership and this company's leadership nationally. But let's talk about presence. So you just kind of went right there, you know, and I know, I know something you think a lot about. I think a lot about this. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, what are you discovering about it? What's important about this for business teams? Well, I see myself and a lot of folks around me who are in really all positions, but particularly leadership, um, struggling with the demands on their, um, inboxes. And uh, that's voicemail, email, um, text, um, LinkedIn. I mean, the lit, there's like 10. If I think about it, there are 10 places where somebody can send me a message. Um, and there is a pull, uh, and I think it's a very reasonable one and a very important one to be responsive. Um, to get back to people. Um, I often hear from customers, which I view is one of the um, most important uh, group of folks that I can talk to, to do my job better. Um, So, but we have 270,000 of them and they all have access to my email address (laughs) Um, or my phone. You can call into the call center and just say, I want to talk to Mary and they'll forward you to my cell phone. Um, so, and that's very important to me. Like that, that I really need. Customer first. Customer first. Value. Yep. And I really view it as um, the most strategic thing I do is stay engaged with our customers. It's the most strategic thing I do. Um, the other very important thing for me, and and I think most leaders and most organizations is to be present in 
the conversations you're having, the walk you're doing down the hallway, the person you see in the cafe. Um, I'm even finding it more and more when I'm out in the community at the at the um, gas station, which I have an electric vehicle, so I'm not actually getting gas, but I'm going in and maybe getting a coffee. But um, um, I, it's it's a small world we live in. There's people that might see me, and I want to give off the impression of leadership, of positivity, of um, presence, and so. I have found my my relationship with those two things hard to reconcile. Um, it has almost felt like when I'm very present, I'm not very responsive. Mm -hmm. And when I'm really responsive, I'm not very present. So I have lately, and I have not figured this out at all other than to be self-aware about it, which, um, uh, has been the most important thing for me anyway, just to get self-aware about it. Like, oh my goodness, I'm not, um, where's my mind right now? It's not in this conversation. And you know it. Like, I know when I'm conversing with somebody who's not present. It's so easy to see. Um, and like I did in my leadership team meeting, um, it sends all the wrong signals. Hmm. It sends all the wrong signals to the person you're talking to um leaves the door open for all kinds of interpretations of what you think is important clearly not the person you're talking to something else and so at the same time though that can happen in your inbox if you haven't gotten back to that customer who asked you a question about why their power was out same thing they can feel your lack of responsiveness whatever um uh rigor they're putting to it whether they think it's 24 hours or four hours or whatever they're expecting, there's all these expectations. And so I've prioritized presence. Mm. Um, and I've decided that until I have figured this out <laughs> relative to all the, the ways people are, are wanting to communicate with me and that I'm wanting them to communicate with me, um, that I'm choosing who's in front of me uh, really physically as where I'm gonna devote my time. And I'm not gonna look at devices. Uh, I interview for every position at GMP, I interview for those, I'm the last person that a potential hire or internal transfer talks to. And those, we've had a lot of new hires. So I've been pretty busy in those interviews and it's really hard to not occasionally wanna look at my phone. Um, particularly if I'm talking to them for 40 minutes and then I flip my phone over and I have 45 text messages. Um, but I have found- It's getting worse, Mary. I know it's that I have million, more of an impact. Yesterday, nine million, you're going to get more text. I don't think I'm going to get nine. I don't think, but I have more of an impact in a, that present moment with that employee or that potential new hire than I do getting back to somebody who's, yeah. you know, whatever. So it's just something I'm I'm on a learning uh, exercise with, I don't have the answers necessarily on how, on how to accomplish both of these really well. Um, but all to say that I'm prioritizing presence, um, and letting responsiveness be something that, um, sometimes just isn't as fast as I'd like. Wow. Mary, um, is what it is. 
for now. You know, in systems leadership theory, one of the core skills that's defined for leaders is called defining self to the system. Defining myself to the system, yep. defining, or more specifically, defining myself to the anxious pressure yep. that's inherent in people's systems. And I think you just gave an amazing example of that. The clarity that you have is is a notable feature, probably, of presence. Yep. Uh, so I want to mention presence. The study of presence is thousands of years old. Yep. And I want to ask you, what are its qualities? What are its qualities? What is presence? What is? Go ahead. Um. So when what? I <laughs> say that word, and like. There's a lot, there's a lot here. It's hard to distill down. Um, but when I'm present with someone, uh, I'm listening generally. Um, and I'm hearing not only what they're saying, but what they're feeling. And that's how I know I'm present. So sometimes I might be listening and I might be hearing what they're saying, but I'm not present enough to get a sense of what they're feeling. Um, and that's for me, like as we were leading this organization through the pandemic and, and um, uh, the political seesawing and uh, six major storms this past year and um, the loss of a, a teammate and like knowing the feeling was really important to, to leadership. Like I, I need whoever I was talking to, I needed to be listening to what they were saying and, and what they were feeling in order to, to lead them. Um, so that, that's what comes to mind for me, although it's actually a pretty difficult thing when you ask it that way to define it, like what, you know, you kind of know it when you see it, I guess, but um, I could walk away from that conversation. And if you called me and said, if you said, Mary, I just observed you having that conversation. Um, what, what did they say? You would know if I was present, if I was, if I had, I also responded to that in a feeling way and not just words. And I would, I, I would use those. I would say, well, you know, Emily's feeling sad over blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, John is feeling, you know, that if you just heard me say, oh, Emily told me the blah, blah, blah. I, I was, might've been listening, but I was only hearing their words. I wasn't hearing how they were feeling. And that to me is presence. And when I flip over my phone and I tap into what's here or click into my inbox while I'm having one of these conversations, I can't get in touch with at all what somebody's feeling. It's it's over. I'm I'm checked into my own my own stuff I got going on. That's a very interesting, you know, fundamental feature, I think, of how you would define expert presence. And by the way, you know, the the family leadership founder, genius theorist, Murray Bowen, defined that as the sort of fountainhead of health promoting leadership in any consultant, coach, or family member is the yeah. quality of presence. Presence, yeah. Very 
interesting topic. Yeah. And I, 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 I love to hear anything else. Maybe let me give you one more bullet here. Okay. Let's think about this together. Well, the other so, thing I thought of, as you were saying that, um, another way I can use as a guide for me about whether I'm present or not is how quickly I jump to, um, talking and giving solutions. Um, when I'm not present, I will hear, like, if I'm at home and Amanda's like, oh, I'm working on this piece of property. And I just, and I'm like, well, why don't you just, I, uh, uh, um, I'm not present. I'm, I'm, I'm in a conversation, but I'm not actually tuned into what does Amanda need? Or, or even if I don't know, asking what Amanda needs. Do you need me? Are you looking to just vent about this? Are you looking for empathy? Are you looking for solutions? Tell me, cause I want to show up. And that's another way I can tell. So beyond just feelings, how am I, am I talking? Am I sending solutions out before actually deciding I needed to do that for the person I'm engaging with? That's another one. And are really knowing that that's what they wanted. You mentioned right first started talking about presence the one of the first things you said was the listening you you said quiet listening and yeah. i think you're highlighting the tremendous power of listening yeah often so much more powerful than texting or solving yeah it really is right it, no it really is it, it's it's not this is going well so can you go one more but as yeah. you're thinking about it i want to hear just another bullet on this yep uh, i want to mention this thing you just said that the most strategic thing that you believe you do is pay attention to customers yeah that is very interesting and i think it's very connected to what you're am i right tell me if i'm right i think it's very connected to what you're saying right now and I also think we can see this if you read the New York Times article and you learn about what Green Mountain Power is doing. There is a, and I, I want to give you a chance to celebrate that in a second, this, this visionary messaging, the vision you have. There's a tremendous listening to the market. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. In that, in what you're doing. And in the in, and is probably directly related related to why you are on the Times list of 100 most influential companies. Am I tracking here? Yeah, no, it's 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 all about um, customers. They will tell you what they want, or they will tell you what they need. They they and and as far as setting strategy. What could possibly be more important than your customers? I mean, they're the ones who, in our case, we serve. Um, in other businesses, those are your people that are buying your product. And um, they're the ones that, but for, you wouldn't exist. Um, so the- That's probably different levels of listening that go on between businesses and customers. They, it's very interesting the CEO say that the most strategic thing you do. Yeah. Oh yeah, by far. Because they tell they'll when I talk to them. Um, here's an example. I got a um, this was a customer who lives in Springfield, Vermont. Um, I he wrote me a handwritten letter. Um, 
mailed it and it was nasty. Um, he was not happy. He didn't, he, he was upset with his bills. He couldn't pay them. Um, he was going through the line item. He didn't understand them. And oh, by the way, at his house, he has um, some trouble with the service line. So the line that comes off the main um, pole going into his house, he was having trouble with. And he had reached out to somebody and nobody did anything about it. And he was just, it, it was causing him so much stress. I showed up to his house. Now I did it safely. I took a GMP car and I wore a heart. I made myself very visible. Um, but I decided that I needed to, a, a, a phone call or writing this guy a note wasn't going to, wasn't going to help me figure out what's at, what's at the root of the trouble here that could help me run this business better. He's not the only customer with these problems, or if he is, at least let me understand that he's the only customer with these problems. So I showed up to his house and why this connects to strategy is I was able to spend about an hour with him. We went through his bills. I explained everything. I did not tell him who I was. He knew I was a Green Mountain Power person because I'm wearing Green Mountain Power stuff and I can talk intelligently about our bills. But I didn't tell him who I was until the very end. And he asked what I did for the companies. Was at the very end of the conversation, he finds out who I actually, what I actually do. But um, more importantly is to our strategy, I saw that he had a 60 amp panel, which all you need to know about that is that that's a panel that doesn't have a lot of ability to take on a lot of load in a house. And here's GMP um, asking Vermonters to electrify their lives, decarbonize their lives, and do all this work um, that would require more than 60 amps coming through a panel. And so my big takeaway beyond just a, a good exchange with the customer and me really understanding what was at the heart of of some of his struggles, it also helped inform strategy because then I was able to come back to our team and say, look, we got to find out what panel sizes do Vermonters have? Because that's going to be a barrier for this electrification. We've got to understand 100 amp, 200 amp, 150, 60. You know, Vermont had electric heat years and years ago, um, uh, that sort of baseboard inefficient electric heat that we used to have. And so some panels are higher, but some are really low and we're going to have to figure that out. And, and so I, that was a way I could anticipate a customer situation just by visiting the customer boots on the ground. Um, and that, like, I don't know how much time that would have saved, but I think that saved, you know, the avoided cost of, of me just learning that from a strategic perspective as we set our electrification goals and the work we're doing to decentralize the grid the panel is really important. And if we have a bunch of homes with 60 amps in it, we need to know that as we bake the strategy. And so that's that's another, that's just one of the ma massive benefits to just showing up and having conversations with customers, hearing them out, even if you learn something that wasn't even, I mean, he didn't write me about his amps in his panel. He didn't even know. Um, it wasn't until we started looking at stuff that I was like, oof. Um, so, so interesting and exciting. It's just an example. Yeah, it's it's like an example. I love it. It's so important. And that's just residential. I mean, once you start getting into business and commercial customers, it it's um very similar messages relative to what what do they need to run their businesses and how can we help them? And similar skill set on your end to the presence yep. of 
have with a one-on-one with the teammate, with the customer, with the team, using the film. Let's yep. take a minute to celebrate what you guys are doing. So if you read the New York Times article, you'll see, I think, for many you know, who don't live in this industry and don't live out on the edge of it, this amazing message that you're bringing together, no outages, mm-hmm. which is very empathic to the customer. They don't want to have that day. Oh. Nope. They, they don't want their internet down. Nope. Um, and then adding to that climate change, making an impact. And then um, this decentralization. So, so give, give us the, tell us how, give us the, the message here. What? So it's, um, I was telling the team about it the other day. I said, listen, and this this was like the line workers and some um, not my, not necessarily my leadership team, but it should feel we know we're where we need to be if it feels a little insane. Um, and the reason I say that is because that like we're outside our comfort zone when we don't have all the answers of how we're going to get there. Now we have a solid strategy. But we don't have all the answers. And that, that to me is right, right where we need to be. So whether it is um, a strategy at work or whether it was something related to basketball, like how we didn't know how we we're going to win the championship, but that was our goal. And we were going to set a really, really solid strategy to get there. And that's no different than here. So three big initiatives, undergrounding our system uh, in rural central Southern Vermont, where there is more tree growth than ever before in the state. We cannot keep up with it from a vegetation management perspective, nor even if we could trim all of our right-of-ways, the trees that are falling during these heavy wet snowstorms are outside the right-of-way anyway. Undergrounding our system, putting up strong insulated um, cable on our overhead facilities, and then importantly, bringing energy storage to every Vermonter, no matter who you are, no matter where you live. Energy storage. Batteries. Or could be your car. My my F-150 Lightning kept my truck, kept my house up for five days during the holiday storm last year. Okay. I think five days. people listening to this will, will be having their first moment of thinking this thought. Five days. Like five I did. Days. That her truck was truck. the generator for five days for her house. Yep. We used about 20 miles of range a day. It's a 300 mile range battery. So that means I used 100 miles of my 300 mile range. So it was nothing. My truck looks at my house and says, that is nothing. That is easier than moving this thing forward or backward. Um, but the we, we're referring to this as our zero outage strategy because that's that's what it's going to achieve for Vermonters at a time that they need it most. People rely on electricity more than they ever did in their in the past. And it's 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 life threatening. It is keeping people alive. Hmm. Um, so when we get to 2030, not only do we have zero outages, but we have also completely transformed the grid to a decentralized customers are consumers and producers. Okay, you've got much more 
generation on the distribution system than on the transmission system. So transmission system, think the old model where you've got big power plants out in the middle of nowhere, often fossil fuel based, sending the power, they make the power in these fossil fuel based machines, they send them on these long transmission lines, they hit substations inside towns, and they just drop down and go to a customer's home. Flip it on, flip it. We still need transmission, we still need some big generation, but instead, customers have energy independence in their homes. And that energy independence not only is there for them when the greater grid is down, but it's also something tied into the grid that all Vermonters can use to keep costs down when the grid is up. So it's a, like, from our standpoint, it's a no-brainer. The status quo is completely unsustainable. We spent $80 million last year, 80 responding to major minor storms and cutting trees. Mm. No, none of that activity, like literally just picking up the system after it's been knocked down because of climate change. Like that, that's unsustainable. We need to invest I'm in the hearing... system. Go anyway, ahead. we need, it's, I don't even. I'm, I'm hearing, you know, the sound of, of efficiency in the story and also so many other things. I love watching humans innovate, Mary. Yeah. No, it's they are dang good at it. Some of the best thought leaders who look at how um, species evolve, how humans evolve, say this is like the defining characteristic of humans. Mm -hmm. We are incredibly innovative. And I feel like I'm looking right at it. When well, I look at your team. Well, it's true. And when you look like you look at these phones too that we've been talking about a little bit. 15 years ago, we didn't have these. And if you had asked me 15 years ago, hey, Mary, you're going to carry this thing around all the time, everywhere you go. Um, and it's going to be a little computer that you email on, that you text on, um, just with your fingers. And you're going to um, you're going to take lots of pictures, including pictures of yourself with it. I'd be like, you are. No, I'm not like I'm good with my digital. going to happen. I'm good with my little BlackBerry or whatever flip phone I had. I'm good. I'm good. The same exact thing is happening on the grid. Mm -hmm. So to the extent it is not something you can yet grasp when you think about it, think about had you been asked about these, right? It, it would have, it would have been hard to necessarily grasp, but now, now you get it. Now you see it. And that's exactly what's happening on the grid. We're, we're in Vermont. Whew, we are just full of some, as small as we are, we are full of some of the most innovative people in the world. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, okay. We're getting to the end. I want to ask you a question about transformational leadership. So <laughs> we just heard this transformational vision what is the nature of transformational leadership? What is it? You know, um, I think the I have always been driven to keep pushing limits, um, 
to uh, question status quo or um, I never like if you, with the sports analogy, I never thought to myself that I had ever reached like my full potential. There was always more. And it was really motivating to me to think that there was always more in life mm. to find, to work on, to get better at, to, that was always very motivating that I wasn't, I, I, I didn't reach a destination and somehow, oh, this is it. There was always more out there in the world. And that, I have always felt that way at GMP too. There's more we can do. There's there's better service we can provide. There's more, and it requires transforming. I mean, it requires changing. It requires constantly asking ourselves, is this how we should still be doing it? Um, so when I think about the nature of transformative leadership or transformation, I, what comes to mind is just this um, hunger for knowledge and um, a, a drive to continually find new things and get better. Almost like a spirit. Yeah, 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 it is. It's kind of always there. Very interesting, Mary. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great. I was, I always- oh, I love talking to you. I always enjoy it every single freaking time. So you're the best. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you got some value from this Leader Site podcast and would like to say thanks, please subscribe to it, like it on your favorite podcast app, and consider sharing it with a friend who could use it. And if you'd like to connect, head over to thompsonleadership.com, where we are all about helping grow great leaders, great teams, often helping them navigate the high stakes people challenges that are always part of the ride to victory.